I'm Scott Rada. And I'm Rick Kite. And we have some big news to share. The Ethical Life podcast now will have a new show available each week. As our thousands of loyal listeners know, our show is a place where we talk about the intersection of ethics and modern life. Over the past 18 months, we've had conversations about a variety of issues that range from our nation's leaders to that difficult boss at work, always reminding people why ethics truly matter in today's world. And we also try to have a bit of fun while we're at it. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ethical Life podcast wherever you get your podcasts. A health crisis uncovering other unsettling statistics related to the pandemic. It's the sort of police report that newsrooms receive on a regular basis. A grim tally of deaths, both by suicide and overdoses. But one editor realized that those rising statistics may also tell another story about the COVID-19 pandemic. Hello, I'm Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises. In this episode of Behind the Headlines, our host, Terry Barr, is talking with David Wilcox, the features editor for The Citizen in Auburn, New York. David had been interested in mental health numbers and calls, both pre-pandemic and during the height of it in 2020 and 21. And you may be surprised by what his reporting uncovered. If you appreciate what we're doing with this program, we encourage you to invest in local journalism and support whichever newspaper serves your community. Now, here's Terry Barr with David Wilcox. Well, thank you, Chris, for that introduction. Now, this is not as much a story about the COVID-19 pandemic, but instead it's about all the other issues that have cropped up around it. And I wanna welcome in David Wilcox, features editor with The Citizen in Auburn, New York. David, thanks so much for joining us to go behind the headlines. Hi, Terry, thanks for having me. Yeah, now, how did you first learn about the changes that uh, you were digging into when it came to health data, the other health data around the pandemic? These statistics mostly came from established relationships that I and The Citizen had with uh, service providers in the area, mental health, uh, recovery service providers, uh, as well as the, the county coroner. Uh, we keep in touch about these sorts of statistics. Um, the main one being overdoses, since that is a problem that really predates COVID. But shortly after COVID began, that was actually the first one that I started following uh, was overdoses, just anticipating basic intuition that that would be a problem for people in recovery uh, and, and people with, you know, with substance abuse and addiction. And so it started from there. And then it just became a matter of monitoring the, uh, the local law enforcement reports. Uh, they include, you know, suicide attempts investigated, uh, mental health service calls, domestic violence, and just, you know, excelling it a uh, just following along and seeing if there was any trajectory. And at this point for this story, you know, it had been a good, God, when did this story come out? <laughs> that's, that's another COVID thing, of course, is I just can't tell time anymore. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it had been a good enough period of time since COVID started that, you know, you could start to look at it kind of uh, longitudinally and, and get over any um, possible 
you know, short-term spikes or anything that, you know, you wouldn't really consider a, a trend. Right. So at that point, it felt like, you know, we'd been reporting this stuff kind of piecemeal. We'd done some smaller stories about you know, rising suicide rates, you know, at the end of the, I believe, end of 2020, mm-hmm. ditto with overdoses. Uh, but then after the end of 2021, 20, uh, it felt like, okay, now this is, this, these trends are sustaining and now it's time to really try to dig into it and really try to do something that hopefully will get people's attention, if only through sheer attrition, uh, yeah. just something long and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of heady, lots of numbers, lots of interviews, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it all comes back to the idea of taking care of your mental health and, you know, what did you find as far as people um, willing to do that, needed to go see somebody? I mean, what, what did you find and what were you hoping to do um, to dive into the whole idea of mental health during the pandemic? Well, the challenge for me is the same challenge that providers face, which is really just encouraging people to reach out, uh, to, you know, get over the, the unfamiliarity, uh, the stigma, of course, you know, any, anything that is keeping them from picking up the phone or, or walking through the door, uh, anything, you know, that may make uh, getting help seem, you know, averse to them. So that was the challenge with this story was to try, I guess, through these statistics, I was trying to attack the, you know, the, the notion of like, oh, I'm weird for feeling this way. I'm, you know, that this is unusual. I, I want to keep quiet. The idea with, behind the story was to say, no, a lot of people are going through a lot of, you know, really heavy stuff because of COVID. Um, for whatever reason, whether it's direct or indirect, the bottom line is, yeah, this is affecting a lot of people. So don't yeah. feel like, you know, you're, you're the Lone Ranger, so to speak. Mm. So that was, yeah, that was the main I guess approach was to to demonstrate that this is something that's affecting the whole community. Um, so if that's you know if that's your worry, if you're worried about you know the stigma of being you know the person who who has a problem, you're not. You're one of many. Yeah. Can I ask you about some of the numbers, the statistics when it comes to the overdoses you mentioned, death by suicide? What did you find? when you talk about increases? So the increases were all pretty substantial in 2021, continued after increases in 2020. They were all, uh, I had five-year windows basically with all the numbers that I was working with. Uh, I wish I had more uh, just to get a better sense of the baseline because, you know, it's a small community uh, in Auburn. Uh, The city's about 25,000, the county's about 70,000. So there's going to be year to year variation. It's, you know, that it's, there's not enough of a population that, um, you know, you're really going to see significant uh, shifts um, in one direction. So I was looking at that five-year window and I didn't include the whole five years in the story just because I didn't want to bog the thing down in numbers. Right. But yeah, in most of the numbers, they were pretty stark shifts. I believe it was uh, suicide attempts that were investigated, suicides registered with the county coroner, uh, ditto with overdoses and overdose investigations, mental health calls. Um, The only one I think that kind of went back and forth a little bit was domestic violence calls, which if I were to speculate, it's because 
there's been a little bit more complicated a relationship between the pandemic and domestic violence. It's very, you know, multifactorial, as they say, mm -hmm. in addition to, you know, financial stress, there's also the stress of, uh, you know, children often being home from school, complicating things. There's the close proximity. So that's something I'd try to drill down a little bit more with my sources uh, in domestic violence services, but, you know, that if they could explain exactly why it's happening, then probably it wouldn't be as much of a problem, so. <laughs> right, right, getting to the bottom. What do you think surprised you as you were doing this story, anything? Sadly, no. Hmm. Like I said, these numbers just kind of kept going in the same direction uh, that they were heading in the previous year. So I can't say that anything really surprised me as far, you know, sad enough, yeah. as far as where they went last year. Uh, if anything, I was just sort of expecting them to keep going up and was kind of waiting in the wings to do this story, just to do something to try to help turn things around. And in the end, after putting the story out there, do you feel like hopefully it did help somebody? I mean, I hope so. It's, you know, it's difficult because I didn't really get much of a engaged reaction. I know the story was fairly well read. Yeah. But yeah, as far as people commenting or people saying, you know, the, the ideal reaction, of course, that you imagine when you're writing it is someone emailing or calling and saying, hey, thanks for writing about this. I know I've been having trouble with this issue and this encouraged me to, you know, reach out or connect with this service provider. So I didn't get that, unfortunately. I know that some of the service providers appreciated it. Yeah. But Unfortunately, not as, uh, not as much of an overt response as I would have liked. But you don't, and you aren't going to let the story go away. Do you have some new plans to kind of move this story forward? Well, I don't know that we're, I mean, we obviously won't do the same thing next year. Because mm -hmm. this was very statistically based, very, like I said, very aimed at showing how widespread these issues are, how many yeah. people they're affecting. So it'll be a matter of probably targeting each individual issue a little bit more piecemeal, you know, substance abuse continuing uh, to attack that. Same with mental health. Yeah. We do have one story lined up for the substance abuse issue with a local recovery organization that is in a new facility moved in a couple months ago. It's a young organization. They only opened within the last five, 10 years. But the idea is to just get inside, get pictures, video if possible. Of course, you run into confidentiality issues, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And just demystify it for people. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, part of that challenge is just making these resources as open and unintimidating to people as possible. So this organization, it'll be a matter of just showing them how easy it is to walk in, how you know little they have to be afraid or worried about, and hopefully getting some people through the door. And I think the other thing there too is we want to, I mean, I hate to say that one problem is worse than another, but statistically speaking with substance abuse and overdoses, we do see that that a lot of times is probably you know, one of the faster rising, one of the more serious uh, and widespread of these issues. So that one we hope to 
chip away at a little bit again sometime in the next few months. Well, David, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing as a journalist and, and trying to make a difference for your community. And hopefully the message gets out there. And sometimes, you know, you just feel proud knowing that hopefully you helped even just one person. Yeah, we're trying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for your work and thank you for talking with me about it today. David Wilcox, the features editor at The Citizen in Auburn, New York. Thank you again, David. Thanks, Terry. As you heard, David's efforts to make a difference around the issue of mental health means that he isn't done with this story. He's planning several follow-ups, including when to ask for help and how to be sure that you get it. If you want to learn more, we'll include links to David's original articles from The Citizen in the show notes. And once again, if you appreciate what we're doing with this program, we encourage you to invest in local journalism and support whichever newspaper serves your community. I'm Chris Lay, and for Terry Barr and myself, thank you so much for listening to our Behind the Headlines podcast from Lee Enterprises.